push on today. I'm going to talk to you this morning uh, on part three of get up. Amen. Just get up. I mean, know that God's put get up on the inside of you. Amen. Did we have an awesome revival? Amen. Faith and fire. I believe uh, Miss Shannon can help me, but I believe every night, every service, but maybe one can be found on our website uh, there. And maybe even the, uh, the audio of that night can be there as well. Is that correct? Yes. So uh, you can, if you weren't able to participate, it won't be as good as you being here. Uh, but uh, you can get in on it, all right? Just get that word and get it in your spirit and let it change your life. Amen. And uh, so we've been talking about get up a couple of Sunday mornings ago. We began this two weeks ago, and then Wednesday night we talked more about this. In James chapter 2 and verse 18, it said, But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Amen. Tell your neighbor, faith is an action word. If you really have faith, you can say you have faith, but if you have faith, you'll act on the word. It's not until you take that word and activate it in your life that it is going to be responsive. Amen. And then we looked at Luke chapter 22 and verse 45, and they're talking about the disciples And it says, and he arose from prayer and had come to his disciples and found them sleeping from sorrow. And uh, there is a time to pray and then there's a time to get up. Amen. And he said, after prayer, it isn't time for you to sleep. I mean, know that God hasn't given us this word this week for us to uh, just go to sleep. You can go and get a good meal in the natural, and then what's your body want to do? It wants to go to sleep, right? And then uh, you continue to do that, and uh, you will be overweight. That's a nice way of putting it, fluffy, right? But once you get the meat, then you got to get up. And if you're not active with that, then you'll just be spiritually lethargic. You won't be able to function. You won't be able to do a thing. And then in Isaiah chapter 52, I want to look here, and with the help of the Lord, I'm going to finish these directives today. Isaiah 52 and verse 1 and 2, it said, Awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city, for the uncircumcised and the unclean shall no longer come to you. Shake yourself from the dust, arise, sit down, O Jerusalem, loose yourself from the bonds of your neck, O captive daughters of Zion. God gives Israel five directives here. We've dealt with uh, three of these so far. We said two weeks ago that we must awake, right? Uh, Wednesday night we said that we must uh, arise. Once we arise, then we must sit. Uh, We said that God isn't schizophrenic, but he is telling us that we are to sit not where we have been sitting, but we are to sit in this new revelation, this new word, this new understanding. 
and that we are not to just, you know, many times we run on empty all the time. And so we come in, we get the word and we come up here only to go back down there. And God told Israel, Israel, when you get this revelation, don't go back down to that low way of thinking. Don't go back down and set in the same stuff you've been setting in. But he said, you've got understanding now. Now get up and sit in heavenly places. Sit in this place of authority, right? And uh, so whenever uh, we see that uh, and understand protocol, we understand and, and just the little bit of understanding that I have, I've been privileged to go and, and to talk to uh, some people in high authority in Africa. And one of the things that they told me about protocol is this, is you don't sit down until the president sits down. And you don't get up until he gets up. And so when I thought about that, the Holy Spirit says that whenever we get this understanding that we are to come up to where he has called us to and we're to sit there in that authority, in that anointing, in that revelation, and we don't move until we get directive to move. Hallelujah. Amen. He said for us to arise. Before you can come out, you've got to, before you can uh, go up, you've got to come out. And I said Wednesday night that there isn't nobody sitting in this place today that can get out of this building without first getting up. And once you get up, then you can go. Amen. And so God is calling for us to get up. Amen. He is calling for us to get up. We said that there are many miracles in the scripture that start with the word arise. In Mark chapter 2, he told the, uh, Jesus told the sick of a palsy, arise, take your bed and walk. In Mark chapter 3, he told the man with a withered hand, arise. And when he did, his arm, his hand was restored. In Mark chapter 10, he tells blind Bartimaeus, arise and be of good comfort. The master is calling you. And then we said that Jesus himself said on the third day, the son of man will arise. Amen. And so miracles begin with the word arise. And then we show, use this text in Acts chapter 12 and verse number 5 through a 7 where that uh, we see that Peter was in the inner prison. He has four squadron of soldiers that are watching him, which mean there were 16 soldiers watching him. Not only were they watching him, but uh, they had already killed uh, James, the brother of Jesus, and Herod seen and liked the response that he got from the world. So he said, I'll go get Peter, but I'll hold on to him till after Easter and then I'll kill him. And here is where Peter is uh, in the midst of the, these uh, 16 soldiers. He's in chains and bondage. And, and the scripture says that Peter was sleeping. Amen. How many know that it takes some faith to go to sleep when you know executions in the morning? Amen. But in the midst of all of this, he knew they'd done killed James. He knew what was ahead for him in the morning, and yet he's sleeping. And the Bible said an angel come and smote him or hit him in the side, woke him up. And then the angel says this, arise quickly, and the chains fell off his hands. 
What our problem is, is we're praying, oh God, remove the chains. And God is saying, you get up and the chains will fall off. Because the chains did not fall off. And then uh, we see that Peter gets up. But Peter gets up and as a result of him getting up, the chains fell off. Amen. And so God is wanting us to understand. We, we're praying, God, if you would just break these chains, I could elevate. If you'd just break these chains, I could do what you called me to do. If you'd just break these chains, I could serve you like you want me to serve you. If you could just break these chains. And God's saying, no. You get up. And the chains will come off of you. Amen. And so, if you want real breakthrough in your life, you've got to get up. Tell your neighbor, get up. Amen. And when we get up, we rise above pity. We rise above pain. We rise above emotional exhaustion. We rise above all the things that have chained us down in our life. When we get up, praise God, we come overcome the work of the enemy. Why is getting up in, uh, important? Because the act of faith says you've got to activate it. And so in your getting up, It is faith that says, I believe when I get up, God is going to take me out of this thing. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So when you begin to get up, amen, know that the economy can't hold you down. When you get up, know that limitations can't hold you back. The words that have been spoken against you cannot stop you. When you purpose in your heart, I'm getting up, the Spirit of the Lord will stand up on the inside of you and you will walk in victory. Hallelujah. Can you give him praise here this morning? We talked about setting because where, where you sit will determine what you see and how you see it. If you don't like the view from where you're at, change positions. Amen. Because it does determine how you respond to a thing by where you're seated. Why is it so important? Because we said that where you, what you see is going to determine how you perceive a thing. How many remember when the children of Israel went into the land, they came back with a grasshopper complex. And they said that we're all like grasshoppers in their sight because they're all giants there. Well, their perspective was from a low place. But it was when those that came back that went to the mountaintop. How do I know that Joshua and Caleb was on a mountain? Because 45 years later, he comes back and says, that mountain I was on over there. I want you to give me that mountain. Amen. And so what was happening is this. Others spy, others that was going in were looking up on the situation. Joshua and Caleb were on a high place looking down on the situation. And they said, there isn't nothing here we can't conquer. There isn't nothing here we can't overcome. There isn't nothing in this place that God cannot give us the strength to overcome. And so when you uh, become, when you're down and you're looking up, you'll become overwhelmed. But the Bible said that Jesus has raised us up together and seated us in heavenly places, right? And then we said that when we move, we move into a place where when we're in battle, when we're in struggle, that there comes a time of, of what is called the tipping point. Amen. The tipping point isn't you doing something different. It's just you consistently doing what's right. 
And because you are faithful in doing what is right, there comes a tipping point. In other words, we said that water is hot at 211 degrees. But just add one degree and water begins to boil. It's a tipping point. And I say that to you today that, that we have to understand that it's not about us doing something. Well, if I just had great faith, if I could just believe God, if I could just do this, but it's too big. No, it's about you being faithful in the little things. It's about you believing the word of God. It's about you having prayer life. It's about you having a relationship with God every single day. It's about you being faithful in your time, your talent, and your treasures. It's about being faithful to the house of God. And what happens is this. In your faithfulness as you walk out what you know to walk out, there comes a time when that tipping point comes and all it is is one more hallelujah. It's one more prayer. It's one more time I read the word of God, amen, and that water begin, that has been at 211 degrees suddenly begins to boil because that one degree has changed everything. I want to tell you this morning that whenever you're faithful in things that God will cause in 2013, amen, from you to go from 211 to a boiling point and change the directory of your life. He will change everything just because you're walking it out and being faithful to him. Amen. The tipping point is that place where that, that which is working against you now begins to work for you. Amen. I wish I had just a couple people believed it. I said Wednesday night, it's like us taking and us picking up a car, Right? And turning it over. And while it seems as though it's so heavy when we reach down to pick it up. And we start with all of our might. And that which is working against us. There comes a point. A tipping point. That whenever that which is restraining you and holding you back. Suddenly. Suddenly. Begins to not work against you. But work in your favor. Hallelujah to God. Amen. Because if you've ever tried to pick something up that's heavy and begin to roll it over, you may strain and say, I don't know if I can do it or not. But when you come to that tipping point, that weight and that pressure, that heaviness that was working against you now begins to work for you and momentum will propel, amen, you into the next move. And so, in fact, whenever you get to the tipping point, you can't stop it. You may go, oh, you may have second thoughts and say, oh, and that thing will pull you with it. Because the weight that was holding you back is now moving you forward. Glory to God. And I want to say to you today that I believe that we're in a tipping point. We're in a place that God is going to take that which has worked against us to propel us into what he has for our purpose and our destiny. Amen. And what do you have to do, pastor? Just keep being faithful. Amen. Just keep being faithful. Israel had many tipping points. The Red Sea was a tipping point for them. In the natural, it looked like that everything had them hemmed in. Amen. The army was behind them. The Red Sea was before them. And there was nowhere to go. But Moses had faith to stretch a rod 
a rod across the water. And when he did, one more small act of faith. I mean, what kind of faith does it take to stretch out a rod? But when he stretched that rod out, something supernatural began to take place. I submit to you that it was always in the will of God. But it was that one thing that brought him to a tipping point. It was that one act of faith of just stretching out a rod across the water. Amen. That when he did, there was a supernatural burst, amen, that came and caused the waters, the Bible said, to go all the way back to Adam. Amen. It was a city called Adam, but it talked to us about Jesus Christ. Amen. That would come and set us free. And so what we need to understand today is, is when we walk in faith and keep being faithful, that that tipping point will come. And when that tipping point comes, enjoy the ride. Amen. Just enjoy the ride. Goliath was a tipping point. Israel was at a standstill. Fear had paralyzed their faith. But there was one act of faith that turned everything around. When a little shepherd boy by the name of David came with an understanding that the same God that tipped the scales in my favor before is the same God that is able to tip the scales for me today. (laughs) Glory to God. Amen. And what did he do? He said, look, you know, Goliath was there. That's the voice of the enemy. He'll always speak to you. He'll try to discourage you. He'll try to overwhelm you. But David said, hey, I've been here before. I know that God can tip the scales for me. The same God that delivered me from the hand of the bear and the paw of the lion is the same God that will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Amen. It's giving God praise again. It's praying again. It's involved in ministry again. It's doing the right thing and saying, oh, even it would be easier for me to do something else, but I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to continue to seek the face of God. It's those little things that are going to make a big difference in your life. Amen. And then brings me to my point this morning, and that is he told them to shake themselves from the dust. God is telling them to put on beautiful garments. That leads me to believe that they must have been wearing garments of mourning. The garments of mourning are sackcloth. Sackcloth is very rough. It's coarse. It's abrasive material. It's very uncomfortable, right? And Israel would wear this to express through their physical pain and discomfort and emotional pain. They would wear this sackcloth to express what they were going through in the natural. Amen. The longer you wear sackcloth, the more irritated the skin becomes until the point that it causes the dead skin to begin to be abrasively rubbed off of your body. Amen. So when God is saying to them, shake off the dust, what God is telling them is to shake off the damage, to shake off the injury. If you have lived life long enough, you have been hurt. You have been injured. You have been damaged. Sometimes it comes from an enemy. Other times it comes from a friend or a family member. 
Ah, yeah. Zacharias says this. It's talking about David and he said, and one will say to him, what is these wounds between your arms? Or what is these wounds on your chest? And he answers, those which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Zechariah is talking about a people who have spoken against the pastor, who have brought damage to leadership. And he is saying this is what happens when people are scattered because, but he is not limiting it just to pastor or leadership. Everyone, when we are hurt, no matter if it's from an enemy or if it is from a friend, amen, people's words will cut you. They've said sticks and stones will not break my bones. Words will never hurt me. It's the biggest. Because life and death are in the power of the tongue. Amen. Most of the time, people that don't do anything will cut people down that are doing something. Amen. You have to be careful not to get drug into a critical spirit or negative talk. Especially when you're wounded. Did you hear me? I said, especially when you're wounded. Because it is easy to get dragged in. I've watched people that were mortal enemies. But whenever they get hurt, they migrate together. For gloom and despair. For murder. Come on. I've watched it. And I'm telling you that you have to be careful when there's times of hurt and times of wounding in your life. Because when people talk about you, it does hurt you. When people abuse you, it does damage you. It's not a comfortable thing to be in sackcloth. It will rub the dead flesh off of your body. Amen. You know the stuff like fear. Fear is an enemy of your faith. But that sackcloth will begin when you're in mourning, when you're seeking God. That, that sackcloth will begin to rub the fear off of your life. That limited thinking. Oh, I just can't do that. Why not? Who told you you couldn't? A bumblebee can't fly either. Amen. But nobody's ever been able to tell him that. The only reason that you're limited in your thinking is because of what people have spoken over your life. Amen. But I want to tell you today, amen, that God is not speaking limited thinking over your life. He is calling us. He always, when he bids us, he always says, come up a little higher. Amen. Come on up a little higher. Do a little more. He told Jeremiah, he said, if you're brave enough to speak it, I'm God enough to perform it. Amen. He said, I'll make sure your words don't fall to the ground. Glory to God. He said, Jeremiah, if you can think it, I can bring it to pass. Amen. We got people that if limited vision, they think that the, that the best they have is what they've had. Amen. And we get caught up in this mindset that our vision is so limited. It only been boundaries have been around us. And the reason why is because we haven't seen anything else. Yeah. 
Amen. And it's the places you go and the people that you meet that will determine your thinking and will determine your vision. If you're the smartest person that you know, you need to find you some new friends. Amen. I like to hang out with somebody that challenges me. I like to hang out with some folks, amen, that'll stretch my faith. I don't like it whenever I come to church and I just hear the word and I can agree with everything. I like to take something home I've got to chew on for six or eight weeks. I want somebody to stir up the faith, the word of God in me that'll say, hey, it may not be the way you've been taught. It may not be what you thought. You may have had limited, but you just study out the word of God. You chew on it. You digest it. You say, is it true? And you begin to believe bigger than you believed before. You begin to dream bigger than you dreamed before. Why? Because the word of God really is powerful in your life. Amen. The only person who has a problem with a big dream is one who, somebody who doesn't have one. Oh, you're just dreaming. You need to, you're getting too big for your britches. You need to, you need to settle down. You ain't all that. You need to remember where you came from. <laughs> what makes you think you can do that? In West Virginia? Amen. Who do you think you are, Joseph? Dreaming this dream. And then have the audacity to believe it. But can I tell you something? They believed it too. Because if they didn't believe it, they'd have never fought against him. Amen. But the fact that he had the the, the opportunity or the, the faith to believe, to dream a dream, and then begin to speak that dream. They didn't hate him because he had a dream. They hated him because they didn't have one. And when people aren't going nowhere, they're going to hate your dream. Amen. Whenever somebody doesn't have anything that is pulling them toward their future, amen, they will get upset with you for you to even dare to believe that there is something greater in store for you. But can I tell you the word of God? It's not what daddy said about you. It's not what your teacher said about you, but it's the word of God. And the word of God says this. It don't matter where you are in the walk with him. He said, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither is it entered into the heart of man the things that God has in store for those who believe. Amen. And so when you get to the end of yourself, when you believe as big as you can believe, when you have dreamed the most grandiose dream that you can, God stands up and says, your eyes have not seen. Your ears, oh, hallelujah. He said, I'm bigger than that. Glory to God. Joseph's brothers didn't have a problem with the, him having a, the dream. They had a problem with them not having a dream. When you start to begin to dream big, you will have haters. They hate him because he wouldn't stop dreaming. The Bible, you take it, you read it. In one verse, six times, they said they hated him the more. They hated him the more. How much more can you hate? They hated him the more. 
Why? Because he had a dream of being bigger than what their limited mindset could comprehend, what they could envision. Amen? I want to speak something to someone who has self-inflicted wounds. Because it's not always that something that's been done to you, sometimes it's something you've done yourself. Because there are times when we have done things that cause self-destruction in our own life. When it wasn't someone else that caused the trouble in us, it was ourselves. Samson kept playing the game with the enemy until he found himself bound. His eyes were uh, plucked out. His supernatural strength was now gone. When he said, I will shake myself as other times before. And the Bible said, and he wished not that the power of the Lord had departed from him. Amen. There are times when it would do us all good to shake ourselves. I would rather shake myself and remain where God wants me to be than to go so far that God has to do the shaking. Amen. God is telling Israel, you've got to learn how to shake it off. You've got to learn how to deal with this circumstance in your life. Amen. And so he comes and he tells us here in the New Testament, he's talking about the apostle Paul was bitten by a snake and understand that he didn't have time to let something stick to him. Amen. Let me say to you today, you don't have time to allow the serpent to stick that poisonous venom into your spiritual life and allow it to die. You don't have time to sit around and allow the venom to poison you spiritually and cause you to be bitter and angry and hate everybody and hate everything. The devil is a liar. He didn't tell him that he couldn't, the serpent couldn't bite him, but he said no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You might get viper bit. You may go through some trouble in your life, but God says if you hold on to my word, it just will not prosper against you. Hallelujah. I like what Paul did because when that viper came out and bit him, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't bring his snake to church. Looky here at this, this snake, my snake. This is a bad snake. My snake's better than your snake. Huh? The, the venom in me is worse than... I want to tell you today that it, it don't matter where you are. We all have times that we've been bit. Come on, can we be real in here? But you petting the snake is only going to keep letting the poisonous venom into your spiritual body and will ultimately destroy you. You've got to do what Paul did. The Bible said that when that venom, that, that snake came out, what did he do? He shook it off back into the fire. Amen. Don't carry those things around with you. When the enemy bites you, amen, shake it off. 
tell him I'm not going to allow this thing to stay a hold of me. I'm not allowing it. You might bite me, but I refuse to allow this poisonous venom to get inside of me. I'm just going to shake it off. Amen. You, you, I, you and I have time and times have allowed these things to hold us down. They have bitten us and we've held on to them. But I want to tell you today that it's time to shake the snake off. Amen. Where do you shake it off at? You shake it off in the same place that it came from. He shook it off in the fire. Amen. And we've got to shake off that limited thinking. Shake off that pain. Shake off that damage. Amen. Shake off that fear. You don't understand what I'm going through. Just shake it off. You don't understand. My ex walked out on me. Just shake it off. Amen. You don't, you don't bring your snake to church and pack it up and pet it around like it's a pet. My sickness, my this, my that. No, the devil is a liar. Amen. He comes, but the Bible said the enemy comes in like a flood, but the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. You come too late to tell me that the devil is a match for my God. God's yes is always greater than the devil's no. And you just got to stand on his word and he will bring it to pass. Oh, come on and praise him today. You got to shake off the fear. You got to shake off the worry. You've got to shake off the anxiety. You say, well, pastor, you just cold hearted. No, baby, I've been there. I know what it is to have the sting of the serpent. I know what it is to be bitten. Amen. But I also know what it is to be able to shake that thing off so that it don't destroy me. Amen. And so I make a choice that I'm going to shake it off. Amen. Hebrews 12 and 26 said, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised saying yet once more, I shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken. <laughs> Let me just stop here a minute and just pastor. We pray, oh God, do whatever it takes to get America back. And then God goes to shaking. And we say, oh God, what are we going to do? Huh? But let me tell you today that your victory is not in what can be shaken. Your victory is in what cannot be shaken. He goes on and he says, once again, I'm going to shake it. And he said that things which cannot be shaken will remain. Therefore, since we have received a kingdom which cannot be shaken, the kingdom of God cannot be shaken. The kingdom of God cannot be shaken. So therefore, what is shaken is not of the kingdom of God. Come on, somebody. And so therefore, if we're king, king, uh, king's kids, if we're a part of the kingdom of God, then that that is not being shaken is the only thing we need to remain in. Hallelujah. Therefore, since we are receiving the kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably and reverence the, and godly fear for God is a consuming fire. 
If it can be shaken from your life, it is because it is not what you need. It's what needs to go. I've had God shake some things in my life that I was convinced I needed. Uh, You ain't going to be honest today. But I only found out I was using it as a crutch and not putting my trust and my faith in God. And so he would remove those things, shake those things, so that I would trust completely in him in that area of my life. Then he says, loose yourself. Tell your neighbor, you got to loose yourself. Ain't nobody else can loose you. I can talk to you till I'm blue in the face, but if you don't loose yourself... Amen. You can set up under sound doctrine and preaching and worship and all of that, but you've still got to loose yourself. You've got to take that word of God and apply it to your life and loose yourself. Amen. I don't know if you've been paying attention or not, but this is uh, in what is called the American church has been rocked to sleep. Not in sin and iniquity, but in the lap and the of luxury and comfort. And I don't know about you, but I like comfort. I like I like luxury. I like having a nice warm bed to sleep in. And in the summertime, I sure enough like me some air condition. Amen. I like it. I like it. I, I've tried broke and I don't like it. Amen. I've tried, you know, trying to pay last month's bills with this month's money. I don't like that. I've tried that. I, I just don't like it. But how is it that, that we can be blessed and can't bless God? How is it that, that we've got all of these things and tools and, and the, the blessing of the Lord upon our life and yet we cannot uh, seem to give him our best in times of prosperity. Amen. Now, I'm not to beat the church up. I love the church. In fact, I hate when people talk against the church as 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 if it is a cancer. Makes me sick. Because God loved the church enough that he, Jesus gave his life for the church. Amen. We haven't always done everything right. We haven't always been where we need to be. But I'm telling you, if Jesus gave his life for the church, there is an importance for the church in the earth. Amen. And the church, the Bible says, is the gateway to heaven. But you see, what we have done is is we have tried to make it, and and I'm for it. You hear me today. Hear my spirit. Hear my heart. I'm for reaching people the best that we can. If if, If reaching people is for me to stand on my head and spin around in circles, bless God, I'll learn how to do it to get somebody in the kingdom. Amen. But we have made it so convenient that people don't know sacrifice. And the sacrifice, there always has to be a conflict of the soul there before there can be salvation. And our problem is, is we have gatherings, but people are biblically illiterate. People know better what's on TV tonight than they know what's in the book.
And how many know you can't walk in power like that? I'm just pastoring a little bit. We have the form of godliness, but do we have any power? If you haven't taken notice, the church is trying, or the world and government is trying to constrain the Christian church. Amen. They're doing everything they can to constrain it. You can't have a you can't have a a nativity scene with a Jesus in it. Now you can put Krishnif uh, in there, and they don't have a problem, huh? You can put whoever else you want to. It's all right to worship at the shrine of past successors. But when you start talking about worship in the name of Jesus, suddenly nobody wants to talk about it. Suddenly, that ain't good because somebody might be offended. Amen. Well, let me tell you something. The word of God will offend you. Jesus will bring offense. He said that he will separate the mother and the father, the brother from the sister. Why? Because not so, not to divide, not to destroy, but so we can come into a relationship with him. Amen. And so we've got to understand today that we have to come to this understanding that we cannot tolerate what the enemy is wanting to feed us today. We can't sit back and just be blindsided and just mix our salvation with Buddha and Muhammad and Krishna and we all go to happy together. The devil is a liar. Jesus said, I'm the only way, the truth and the life. And no man can come to the Father but by me. Amen. If that offends you, then I'm sorry for not being able to be sorry. Amen. But that's the word of God. Amen. But I want to tell you today that we don't have to settle. We don't have to compromise. We just have to loose ourselves. Amen. I'm almost done. I'm doing good. The number 13. The number 13. Watch this. 2013. I'm not big on a lot of numbers and I don't believe that God works in calendars uh, because God does everything in eternity and brings it to pass in the fullness of time. But there are some things that we can look at and biblical numbers are significant. And so my heart was turned toward 2013, this number 13. And and the number 13 means to rebel. It means to uprise. It means to have a revolution. And it's time for the church to rebel against that which has been holding us back. It is time for the church to have a revolution where that now we aren't anti-government. We're not fighting against flesh and blood, but there are principalities and there are strongholds and there are wickedness in high places that we today must take and understand that we have been held back and we have been restrained. But we're saying we're not going to be here any longer. We're going to rebel against that which has been rebelling against us as believers and we're going to rise up and take it by force. Amen. 
the walls of Jericho. Jericho was a walled city. It was a limitation. It was the mindset of the day that said no one can penetrate these walls. Amen. It had become a belief of the day that the walls could never come down. Amen. It was a belief of the day that nobody could penetrate these walls. They were so thick. They were so great that nobody could get through them. Amen. But it was a hungry people. It was a people that was tired of the limitation of the wall. It was a people that were tired and began to seek the face of God and said, God, what can we do to bring down this limitation? And the Bible said this. He said, one time for six days, you go around the city. Amen. That's six times. But he said on the seventh day, he said, go around it seven times. Six plus seven is 13. He said, there's a rebellion that's going to take place. Amen. There's an uprising. There's a revolt that is going to happen. And whenever they went around the 13th time, they shouted with a shout. And watch this. The Bible said the walls fell down. It was a tipping point. Amen. It was a tipping point. That thing that was holding them back, that thing that was limiting them, now fell forward. And the Bible said they went in straight, every man straight before them. What is he saying? He is saying that that is limited generations past has now become a tipping point, and we are going to overcome. We're going to rebel against this thing and uprise and have victory over these limitations in our life. Abraham was held back for 12 years. He went and produced an Ishmael. And he fed that joker for 12 years. Did you hear me? He fed his mistake for 12 years. But the Bible said on the 13th year, on the 13th year, the promise came. Isaac came. Your problem can't stop your promise from coming. Amen. Amen. They grew up in the same house until, say until, until the problem started mocking the promise. And when the problem started mocking the promise, amen, Sarah rebelled. And she said, it's time for the problem to get up out of this house. I want to tell you today that when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you, yes, we've all made mistakes. Yes, we have all had Ishmael's in our life, but it cannot stop your promise from coming. You've just got to keep on walking it out. Amen. And when that promise comes, you rebel in the Spirit and the anointing of the Holy Spirit and say, yes, I made a mistake, but the mistake is not not going to control and dominate my life any longer because the set time has come. My blessing has come. My promise is here and I'm going to walk in my promise. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now I know some of you aren't convinced yet, so I brought you a little bit more. Genesis chapter 14. There were five kings that were enslaved to one king. And it says 12 years they served that one right there. You laughing, you pronounce it. (laughs) Amen. They served him. 
for 12 years. And in the 13th year, in the 13th year, they rebelled. Glory to God. Now let me tell you what this says to me. Amen. This, his, his, this guy's name, I can't pronounce it, but I looked it up. Amen. And, and it means this. It means, his name means fistful of sheaves. Fistful of sheaves. He had five other kings doing the work. He had five other kings laboring and toiling and working diligently. Only to come at harvest time and take their sheaves away from them. To take their harvest away from them. Amen. And the Spirit of the Lord speaks to me and says that there is a harvest that has been toiled over. There is a harvest that has been prayed. It's your sons. It's your daughters. You've been seeking God. You've been believing God for it. You've been believing for your harvest and your breakthrough in your finances, in your marriage, in your relationship. And for 12 years they toiled and worked. But on the 13th year they rose up. They revolted. They rebelled against him and they said, we're not working another year. We're not working another day. You're not getting our harvest anymore. I believe it's time for some people that will rise up and say, get a Popeye spirit on you and say enough is enough and I'm not going to stand anymore. Amen. And say today is a day that I'm going to revolt. Today is a day that I'm going to rebel against that which is rebelling against me and I'm I'm going to get my children. I'm going to get my blessing. I'm going to get my healing. I'm going to get my deliverance. I'm going to rise up and revolt against this thing. Oh, come on and bless him today. You need to rebel against that that's stealing your harvest. You need to rebel against that is trying to keep you broke. You need to rebel against that is telling you that you have made a mistake and you're a failure for the rest of your life. You need to rebel against that sickness. You need to rebel against those things that the enemy keeps trying to mess up your family. It's time to gather your spiritual thoughts, come into the presence of God and overthrow the enemy that is fighting against you. Shake yourself and say the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to preach the gospel and I'm coming after everything that God said is mine. I'm coming for my deliverance. We're coming for our city. We're coming for our region. We're coming for our schools. We're coming for our government and we're not going to just come here and just preoccupy with you but we're coming to take over in the name of Jesus and we're going to turn this thing back upright that God has said is ours. Hey! You just need to rise up and overthrow your enemy. You just need to take the word of God and say, this is my year in faith. I'm believing at the end of this year, in this season, that it will not continue to be the way that it's always been. But this year I'm putting Ishmael out of my house. This year, you're not going to hold my harvest anymore. But I'm gaining my harvest. Tabernacle, we've seen God bless us. We've seen God move in a mighty way. But we've got a harvest. I said we've got a harvest. 
There are many souls that are yet to be reached. There are many lives that need to be plucked out of sin and the bondage of the enemy. And God has called us and we have prayed and we've sought the face of God. But we're not just going to pray and seek the face. We're going to rebel against the enemy that is holding him hostage. And we're going to declare thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in the earth as it is in the heavens. (laughs) why because God's put get up on the inside of me hate on me if you want to but I've got a vision don't like me that's fine I ain't crazy I like for everybody to like me but if you don't like me that's all right. we get messed up when we try to be people pleasers Amen. I realize I'm not called to pastor everybody. But I'm called to pastor somebody. Amen. And if I'm not called to pastor somebody, it doesn't hurt me for them to be a part of the kingdom somewhere else. I'm not in competition. I've only come to do what God's called me to do. Huh? And so as we fulfill that purpose, we don't rebel and fight against one another. We fight against the enemy and take him out and receive everything that God has ordained for me, for my family. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will. We will. Serve the Lord. Stand with me today. Hallelujah.